Hey everybody, before we start this episode of Sabrina, um, I just wanted to let everybody know that this is my fault. Um, I, when setting up uh, the microphone and setup uh, for the Zoom meeting in which we had Jason L. Blair talking about Sabrina, I didn't plug in my regular microphone. I actually got the audio in the laptop that was in the room that I was running everything off of. So I've done what I can with this, um, but obviously I didn't want to re-record because Jason came, comes in clear and he does an awesome job. Uh, and then, you know, in the background, it's a little muffled, basically when we talk over each other. So please excuse uh, the quality of this episode. It is not indicative of every episode. Um, yeah, and uh, take it away, Vandello. Hello and welcome once again to Graphically Novel. My name is Josh Wasta, a.k.a. Fallout Fieri. With me, as, uh, as always, is my Blackwood. Oh, thank God it's season five. <laughs> my Madam Satan. Ooh, sure. Hence Bear. <laughs> and, and with us, as always, the, the lovely and talented, my personal Salem. <laughs> ah, nice. It's the lovely and talented, the Baronessa, Miss Genevieve. Thank you. Well, my pleasure is introducing our guests. And today we have Jason L. Blair. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank you for having me. I have no one to introduce. <laughs> well, you are the last introduction. We are merely the opening act oh, to, to bringing you, you up. Uh, I come author, on stage when everyone else has left. Author, writer, and but most importantly, lifelong wing bro, Jason <laughs> L. Blair. Yes, wing life forever. That's right. Uh, Jason, you uh, you have not been on our show before, and we have a tradition here of asking uh, new guests what their history with comic books is. What was your first one? Yeah, what's your first one? What, what ones do you like now? Bring it on. All right, so <clears throat> first one, I got started fairly young and kind of, you know, grew up in a small town, so, you know, I was getting my I comics from, like, the local convenience stores right? and stuff. Yeah. So uh, Archie, the Archie books uh, is where I got my start. Um, and then, you know, moved on to, uh, well, I still, I stayed, I stayed current with Archie for a long time, but, uh, you know, started reading Marvel and DC uh, again from like the same convenience stores. Um, and it wasn't until probably like my tweens that I like ever set foot into a proper comic shop. We had this great comic shop one town over um, that was just completely hole in the wall place, but it was just packed wall to wall with comics. And it was such an eye opener for me uh, walking in there and just seeing things and ideas and pictures that I just never seen before in my life. And that's when I started to get into like, um, you know, that was the time like the original four volume, like books of magic was coming mm -hmm. out. And so I got into that and I got into like, I started really loving like the weird stuff, like Boris the Bear and Ralph Snart and like UK, like Marvel UK stuff, like Death Said, stuff like that. Um, and like the, the, probably the, like the most mainstream series that I really got into is like Excalibur. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when that launched, I was, I completely fell in love with Excalibur. Um, old school night crawler, man. Yeah. Oh my, what a team. Oh, Megan and, uh, Captain Britain. And just, it was so good. I just, I absolutely adored that team and the whole like, uh, wolves plot and stuff like that in the beginning. Um, and then, you know, I kind of like well, I mean, I, I read like, you know, Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen. I was reading a lot of the collected works because like my brother was big into comics. He's older than I am. He was older than I am. Um, and so he would get like the Mile High Comics flyers and stuff like that. Yeah. And I'd, I'd pour through them. And like there was just, I mean, you know, those things were like phone books. And it's just like all these titles I'd never heard of. And I was just like completely like, oh, my gosh, I want all these. It the previews. So cool. Yeah. Oh. Previews where you'd have to order your books three months in advance through a catalog. Yes. And there was another one too. I forget the name of it. I think it was like something began with a C comic, something like that. Yeah. There was previews like a, was Diamond. Yeah. Previews was Diamond. There was another one before Diamond just took over everything. Yeah. Like we, I remember we used to get two flyers, but like, uh, but the one that I remember the most was Mile High Comics. Um, 
And yeah, I just, I loved those books. I, I, I just always wanted the weird stuff, like the weird, um, you know, Terminator offshoots and stuff like that, that like, I think, um, what was it Dark Horse was doing early on, or maybe it was someone else, like picking up, you know, single issues of the Suicide Squad and stuff like that. And um, I really loved like Marvel What The. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I had, that. I had almost all of those. At it, that was great because I could get that at like my, you know, local convenience store. Um, but yeah, that's where I fell in love with like Spider-Ham and Goose Rider. And, uh, <laughs> so I was kind of like those, you know, I liked like the, 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 the collected volumes, the big graphic novels that I would get. Like, I think like I was even like a member of like the science fiction fantasy book club back in the day. And they would have like, that's where I got like Watchmen and um, Dark Knight Returns. Like I had the volumes to there. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the stuff I was, I, I've been into. Um, and now like recently, probably in the past, I, I, there's a period where I kind of cooled on comics didn't read much but then like when comiXology became a thing mm-hmm. uh and it just became really convenient like too convenient just to like buy one issue and then just keep buying the rest of the issues i started reading stuff like suicide risk and american vampire powers uh which was old at the time but i got into that um and then you know once you know i got back into archie and like the more like kind of you know more serious modern takes on archie which i really appreciated um but then you know i'm a lifelong horror fan like from birth i have loved horror i was really really young when i saw like you know the classic slasher movies and just completely love them so when it was announced like archie's doing you know afterlife with archie and then the chilling adventures of sabrina i was like oh my god this is like my heart made manifest like i i couldn't get enough of them I absolutely adored them um and and you know these days <clears throat> i'm really like gem and the holograms and josie and the pussycats and stuff like that that's really the stuff oh, i love to read gem and the holograms, gem and yeah. the holograms. Yeah. that new run was so fire like absolutely loved synergy. It. Mm. so uh to give a little bit of background to my other two guests who were not as familiar with jason jason's the guy i go to when like there's a new drama show like the new charm came out and i was like i'm gonna wait till i hear from jason on if this is good <laughs> or if this is horrible jason, you know like, are you the reason that he was a uh, uh, dawson street fucking fanatic no i was not <laughs> okay just wanted to know if it was <laughs> seemed no. like it's just gonna all go straight to you. Nope, Team Pacey, uh, Team Pacey, full night. <laughs> No, yeah, I, like, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say I do. I love. Uh, I I love you know high drama melodrama. Um, you know, like I'm a huge fan of like the L word. Uh, and like anything that's like just about like relationships and 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 life changes. And it's one of the reasons I'm such a huge fan of like <clears throat> middle grade fiction and like teen media. Is just it's it, for me like those like you know all stories are ultimately about change, right? But like those topics are particularly interesting to me because of the things that affect that particular. The, like those particular age ranges like the things you deal with as a as a child and as a tween as, as a teen and kind of you know living in a world that's kind of moving around you and fighting for agency in your own life and stuff like that so i love all of that and like if, if you add like any kind of horrific element to it if you add any kind of like urban fantasy magic like any supernatural stuff into it i'm i'm, I'm super into it it's one of the reasons i'm such a huge charmed fan and i especially love the 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 new the new series but yeah i yeah i will talk about that stuff endlessly <laughs> well and i know that you're just doing uh, a new uh a kind of a walk through of all the new nancy drew stuff oh, uh, I, oh that. yeah I, I fell down a huge nancy drew hole like i'd always <laughs> been like a, a observer fan of nancy drew um but especially recently i it was really kind of getting into the new show right and and i kind of like reignited like a, a love for nancy drew like like bigger than I've ever had before. And I just completely fell on the hole. Like I already had like a bunch of the books and stuff like that uh, of like the, you know, original Nancy Drew, Nancy Drew Girl Detective, Nancy Drew Diary, Nancy Drew and the Clue Crew, like all the kind of different series. I have a bunch of those books on my shelves right now. Um, but I really just, I just read everything I could on it, you know, read like the entire Wikipedia page. And there's a lot of good articles about the history of Nancy Drew and um, kind of the the, the drama around uh those original books and their kind of evolution over the past 90 years and stuff like that especially like the first like 20 30 years especially juicy tea but um (laughs) yeah i've been talking a lot about nancy drew if you're on my social that's what i've been talking about (laughs) well and and uh you you have all the qualifications to be our perfect guest for today's episode 
which of course were doing the chilling in Sabrina, the, the uh-huh. Netflix show, and then the comic that it came from. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody, I'm going to go around. I'm going to start with Jason, and then and they go around the room. But I know all of us have watched. I think all of Sabrina, all of us have watched. Sabrina. Have you watched the four seasons? There? No, I, I, I got probably about halfway through season two. Okay, okay. So um, thoughts on obviously the show, but thoughts on when you. First saw the show, I I had read the comics previously, and so I was super psyched for the show. And um, I like my first impression of the show was I couldn't believe how dark they went. You know, like knowing that at its root, right. The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is based on an old Archie comic, right? Mm-hmm. And the Archie comics were always just about girls and boys in high school, right? And like Sabrina the Teenage Witch had like that kind of, you know, magical tinge to it always, but like it it was all super light, you know, and it was like Sabrina's casting a spell to clean her room. You know, and then when the the comic came out and I was like, oh, man, this is like really, really interesting and cool. And then when I saw the previews for the Netflix show, I was like, all right, we're going to see how they, you know, how they go. And they went in a lot of ways darker than um, than the comic. And I just the full on. And, you know, we'll, t- we'll probably talk about this, but they also, they made Sabrina a better character in the show, yes. in, the com- in the comic. And uh, and I just loved how dark it went. I loved it. Like, and, and you know, visually dark, but also just thematically dark. And I was really impressed because I did not expect them to go as dark as they did. And so I was like, this is it. I'm home. Um, I agree with you, uh, Jason, that the, the show just really added so much more dimension to the character of Sabrina. Um, I think that I was not as surprised because we have been watching Riverdale before mm-hmm. Sabrina came out. And uh, oh, absolutely. Riverdale was dark. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you start off with murder. Yeah. So, um, oh, dog Betty. And I do, I, I really enjoyed what they did show. Um, you know, I felt like oh, it's always season three. Oh, Riverdale? Yeah. Season oh, no. three is when they start getting yeah. into like the D&D. Oh, yeah, that, that, that was real bad. Like that whole season. No, yeah, that was, <laughs> don't watch that. That was not good. But um, Sabrina, <laughs> I thought, I, I loved it from start to finish. You know, I just thought, I thought the show was great. I thought that the way that they um, portrayed all of the characters was really well done. And Jason, maybe you liked it. I had a, a bit of a, you're watching the CW moment um, with Nick a lot of it. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Nicholas, yeah. Nicholas Scratch. Yes. It was, it was very, very much overwrought. My Sabrina, my shirt's going to replace itself. That's the Mella in melodrama, and I'm so here for it. <laughs> <laughs> There, um, I I was okay with the series. Um, it kind of had its ups and downs. Like as I was watching through the first season and into the second, I was like, there were moments where I was like glued to the screen, and there were other moments where I was just like, my phone was far more interesting. Um, I I think Karen Shipka is better than a seamless substitute for Melissa Joan Hart. I think I think she has taken it. She has owned it. She has made it better than it was. Um, I think I I don't think you can turn the two shows. Really, really the two shows themselves, but when you're you're talking about like, hey, I was like, literally a child watching the first one, and now watching this, going, no, I I I can totally get behind this, you know. Um, so to be fair, I didn't. You didn't watch Sabrina explains it all. (laughs) Sabrina Um, explains it all. Okay, I don't get it, but okay. <laughs> Melissa Joan Hart had her real teenage witch, and it was also Clarissa explains it all. So Nickelodeon, a Nickelodeon. Yeah. Game. I'm so too old for any yeah, of he's, that. He's trying yeah. to make it. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I watched too much TV as a child. Yeah, uh, I think the the biggest thing for me is uh, first season alone. Chance uh, Perdomo is a fucking Ambrose. Ambrose yeah. is a joy. Yes. Mm-hmm. And anytime that he is on the screen, he basically steals the show. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of it, there's a lot of there's there is that very much I'm, I'm transferring from uh, like re and like um, how what's the word I'm looking for uh, like free spirit teenager to I'm about to be an adult. These are the decisions that I need to make. Make um, and so like I had those moments where I'm like I really want to get into this, but I'm just it's not quite entirely holding my attention. I don't go as much for the, the super mellow girl. I'm not the biggest CW fan. I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like, yeah, like we could tone it down a little, make it a little more real. We're almost there, which is why I'm still watching. So, so uh, and, and that takes perfectly to me, who out of the, the host group is 
the person that will watch dramas and CW shows. Oh, absolutely. And, and all of that. Um, but uh, the one thing that I'll tell you is, is season three on is a lot less of the melodrama and a lot more Lovecraftian. Yeah. Uh, so, so we get a lot more like the comic, which was yes, which was dark and, yes. and awesome and evil from word go. Yes. Uh, and uh, but I I adored the show. I we watched all four seasons uh, as they came out uh, pretty quickly. Um, this is one of the very few shows that we did our version binging because mm-hmm. um, we don't actually just sit down and binge shows, but we would watch two or three episodes and sit. And usually that is our version of binging. Um, and, and I just adored it. I, I again, you're you're absolutely you hit spot on. Two of my notes are Kiernan Shipka and Chance Perdomo just made that show. They yes. are they were so good. Um, and then when I looked into Kiernan Shipka a little bit more, I found out that she actually played um, Don Draper's daughter in Mad Men. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and while I have not gotten as much into that show, I've only watched one or two episodes. I was very interested in it. And but I can also see if that is where she was like coming up on as a young actress on one of the oh, you best got it. dramas. Yes, you got you you really need to watch it because yeah. her character in that show, it, I can see exactly the casting directors were like, Yep, we want that little girl. Yeah. <laughs> well, and also to be surrounded by, you know, that much talent. Yeah. You know yeah, that kind of well, acting that kind of acting power. style and yeah, I, did, I did want to bring that up because I agree with you both about both of those actors and Sabrina. But the whole cast, yeah. the whole supporting cast, you know, the aunties were mm-hmm. amazing. Loved them. And, and are just like anybody else's two single aunt that yes. you have. Yeah. Where one is like the the, the bitter uh I don't want to say controlling maid, but yeah, yeah controlling. Yeah. And the other one is like super bouncy and just hasn't found what she wants yet and so super caring yeah, and taking yes. care of everyone. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. then like bakes cookies and yes, they might have like chocolate chips and you know chunks of liver, human liver in them, but they're gonna be the best ant cookie you ever had. So this take on the ant reminded me a lot of another show that I love called Pushing Daisies that was only on for two seasons and it had again the ant uh and, and they were like uh a uh, oh a dual uh synchronized swimming team and like it was a dark history like it's a very very good show but it's done like super happy like colors cranked up to 11 while everything they're dealing with is about death and it's like <laughs> it's super depressing but it's portrayed as very happy it's kind of like when we started watching six feet under together and yes. we were just like like that was a little more the colors were a little more muted but all of the dialogue was just like super highbrow and yes freaking amazing right this was just more like super happy but but the ants in in uh this telling of sabrina i really really enjoy um because of that uh, them bouncing off each other and that's a little bit the same in uh the comic but like they are even more polar opposite yeah the, the, also... the comic has just the seed like like a lot like a lot of the characters in the, in the netflix show the seed is present in the comic Absolutely. but they I, really I think... get ratcheted up yeah. in the um in the show yeah i think the uh uh, I think Netflix kind of kind of turned that they turned it up to eleven. They turned it up to like a nine. Yeah. Whereas in the comic book they were probably like a six or a seven. Right. You know? Yeah. But they were still those same personnels. Yeah, and in more in later seasons, not to give too much voices, we mostly concentrate on the first season on the show. But there is a scene in the comic where you see Zelda, uh, or not Zelda, um uh, it's Zelda and Zelda. Hilda, where you see Hilda let loose on a little girl, and you yeah. see that under all of that, Hilda's still a witch. Yeah, and she will. And she just gets angry every now and then. Yes, and you get more of that season three, and you get to see Hilda be like, "Oh hell no, hold my hoop." Well, I mean, and it's not that she gets mad; it's that when the people she cares about are being threatened, mm-hmm. she will not let. Them. Well, right. uh, just like in the, was it, that was still season one where she, um, they have the interview or the, the encounter in the bookstore? Yes. It, it, it's a lot more, and you get it really quickly. It yeah. takes a lot longer in the show to understand yeah. who Hilda is because she just seems like the, right. the doting, you know, well, she's nice the, aunt. She's the doting nice aunt, but she's also kind of punching. Right. In the, in the show. Oh, yeah, no, she's the Abel and Keen and Abel in the yeah, show, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Exactly. I mean, Zelda kills her when yep. she annoys her too much <laughs> and then resurrects her. Like, yeah, it... it uh, so actually, that brings me to the base, the, the, the comic, which was written by uh, Roberto Aguirre, uh, 
Sakasa. Um, and the art is done by Robert Hack, and I'm going to get into that in a second. But in uh, the foreword in the graphic novel, uh, Roberto talks about how he also wrote Afterlife with Archie. Mm -hmm. And he said that Afterlife with Archie was his love song to Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. <laughs> and now I've, I, I've, I read, read that and I was like, I am going to love this comic. Yeah. <laughs> but Sabrina was his love letter to Sandman, Neil Gaiman's Sandman. Which I haven't read, but I knew because oh of God, my God. You know that there are so many other things that I like that are they're already similar to Sandman. Right. Right? The show will be out next year, and we'll we will cover it on this show. Oh God! And then I've got to talk about the disasters that are screenplays of Neil Gaiman's work. <laughs> Listen, we don't get to do Dune on this show, otherwise I'd have an entire it's episode. No, I meant an entire episode by myself. Oh, right? Okay. Right, right. Um, for talking two hours. And, yeah. But uh, you can see it in Robert Hack's work that there's kind of that McKeon aspect. Mm -hmm. Uh, bent to it because everything is done almost watercolor style isn't quite what I'm going for but it, it's in Sandman the ethereal stuff especially stuff in like other realms are done in the style of Sabrina well and Sabrina is um, and I just need to make sure because in my mind it's only it's black white and red there's a fair bit it's, of yellow it's yeah I guess it is like fairly full color but the, the blues are muted yeah the... everything is muted but it just like as I'm reading it I feel like it's really stark I, I kind of had the I mean? feel of like old parchment like like pirate treasure maps and like like old comic like, books. like seriously like old bible verses like just like an old like 1700s bible or something like that i don't know if either of you ever read this but i know jason did the old pulp tales from the crypt tales yes. of horror yes like that is the style why haven't we done tales from the crypt on this show yet uh, that's that's another good one. I have right. actually every episode. <laughs> so do I. Yeah. Yeah. Love that show. Oh god, it's um, brilliant. But again, yeah, came from the the same comic. Mm -hmm. You know, we and those right. We do have a, a perfect guest for our for our tales from the crypt. Yes, from the crypt I, episode. I, I'll just show up. I won't even be invited. I'll just find the <laughs> find the link and up here. We'll be like. Listen, by the time we get around to that, hopefully everybody will be vaccinated and we can all be sitting around drinking together. That's right. Wings wings and beer. Wings and uh, beer. Ooh, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, no nuts. Name, name my Joshua. podcast right there. There you go. Wings and beer, the Jason L. Blair podcast. <laughs> But yeah, like the, the uh, it's funny. Yeah, there is. There's like a like the thing about the tales from the crypts, and I don't know if it was just schedule or what from the old EC days. But like, there's a a, a great scratchy, sketchy quality to yeah. the art that that a is perfect for like horror and like morality tales, right? But like in the Sabrina comic, like the the line work forms like the basis, but like so much of the storytelling is happening in the color, right? You know, no, absolutely, and that that's very like it's almost the halfway point between those old tales from the crypt style. And McKeon, Dave McKeon yeah. stuff that he does in Sandman, um, because it's it is surreal, but it's <clears throat> it's surreal just enough. I, it's almost as if the art style is meant to put you on edge, yeah. because something in your mind is like, this is not correct, this is not right, you know. It's not like it's not like non Euclidean, like a like a Lovecraft, you know, angle, <laughs> but it's, which just means round, right? But, yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah, it, it, it intentionally puts you on that, and a lot of the choices for how things are portrayed mm -hmm. are are again to put you on it because when it shows you, it shows you, but when it doesn't, as we've talked about on the show a lot, especially when we refer to the old Universal monster stuff, it's implied enough that mm -hmm. your imagination fills in the gaps and. That's what. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of what the graphics do, right? Like, um, you know, it's like it's like when you see like you know Madam Satan with like the skull eyes or whatever, yeah. right? Like, like there's there's so much suggestion there that if it was like. If it was like high fidelity, like perfect render, I don't know that it would be as unsettling, right? But because right. it's like the, the graphics are taking you eighty percent of the way there, and then you're right. filling in that final twenty, and and there's just this discomfort and connect. And yeah, like like there, you know, there are definitely moments where like what the terrible thing that happens, the 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 you know the panel is on the reaction or on the person doing it, not on what they're doing, right? Like 
you know, Sabrina, you know, her face, like, and, you know, her, like, effort, like, showing a lot of effort and it being red. You're like, oh, my God, she's doing something terrible. You're not actually seeing it. You're seeing that, that frame. But even when you do see the, the awful thing that's happening, it is just, it is. There's just an unsettling quality because the, the art is asking you to come meet it, you know. Like you have to put yourself into that into that illustration to fill out the gaps. And it's just, that's even more unsettling than just being able to be passive and be like, this right. is telling me everything I need. And by, di- I mean, we're, we're kind of dancing around because we don't want to spoil the comic. We want everybody to read it. Mm-hmm. But there is uh, specifically a scene in the woods that will do, you know, the, the rest of what what is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, where you're absolutely right. You see Sabrina's reaction to it first and you have that, oh no, is this, is this, is this? And then it shows it, but it's like not as horrific as probably <clears throat> what you had, but you understand right. the implication. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There was a, a point like while I was going through and reading through the comic after I'd watched, you know, like I said, the first season and a half, um, where I had this, this like light bulb went on in my head. Um, and there's something about like television shows today where much like the CW and stuff like that, where you you know the good guys are pretty much always going to for the most part when you're watching stuff along this line. Um, I actually had a conversation with our friend Anthony Hemmen, um last weekend about how there actually used to be laws on the books with movies about how like back in the days of like the westerns and stuff like that you, you had to have clear cut to find good guys and bad guys which is why you had <coughs> white hats black hats and the good guys always had to win eventually same in wrestling yeah exactly um so and, and i've experienced that a lot actually in in my life again where our friend micah micah you're out there and i know you're listening um was a big one for i'm gonna do a, a ttrpg and the good guys always gotta win. And just like, mm, that's that's great. Do that. But, but and the difference is, is here when you're reading this comic, this comic doesn't do that. This comic does right. not assume that the good guys are going to win. <laughs> this- well, really, how can you how can you even say that the main characters are right? Favorite? That's yeah. yeah. They're Satanists. Like at the very end of it, they're they're witches in service to Satan. You're you're walking in with the, the gritty comic book realization of like Chronicles on Riddick, where, listen, he wasn't good to start with. Right. And we're just going to go downhill from there after he gets accepted by Satan. Like, if you can imagine Riddick getting accepted by Satan. But it it also makes a point that, like, it kind of turns your idea of who is good and who is bad, you know, because just because people are Christian and follow a one God instead of Satan, I mean, technically, the witches only have one. So what I'm saying is it's it's taking the reader's perception of what is good and what is bad, what is right and what is wrong, and turning it on the You absolutely get more of the idea in the comic book that the aunties in Salem are the good guys, and Sabrina's just kind of like, nope, this is my path, following the Dark Lord. Which is, is again, bringing us to one of the the main things that we have teased every time we bring up Sabrina on the show, and that's the Sabrina no, and her response Sabrina, yes! <laughs> Just like goes forward and does whatever the fuck she is gonna do. Because she destined to do so. Right. Well, well also I'm because sure. she's a teenager. And, and and I think bringing it back to what Jay talked about earlier, um, much the same as so. Uh, there's a really interesting uh, theory when I was going through college to be a teacher about how you need to keep in mind that a day to you is not as long as a day to a teen. And the reason for that is, is we've had so many more days, you know, so... Uh, and our perception of our past days, we, we've ignored all of the correct minuscule moments, the the things that didn't matter, like got up on strict TV, took a shower. Right. That didn't matter to us. It's why, you know, I, I constantly make fun of Romeo and Juliet. Uh, because I actually it, had a Romeo and Juliet reference in my notes. Right, right. Well, because, again, it's that melodrama. It's the fair, you know, and, and Sabrina, both in the show and the comic, is like, well, this is my one love. This is the person that I will be with. It. And I'm like, the second 15. season, the first right, right. love that I have is, and we're fucking doing Romeo and Juliet. And I was so pissed off. Yes. Then we got to like uh, season two, episode two, and I was like, fuck with my cat, the Jane Wick story. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's, I mean, and, and that's exactly why I like that melodrama. It's why I like the CW, why I like the like, teen dramas, is they're experiencing things for the first time, and that's 
why it's so over the top. And that's why it's annoying to a lot of people. And as a teenager, things are not, there. there is no gray. Right. Things are, are black or white. They're right or wrong. Or they're on acid. I mean, <laughs> yes. it's black, white, or all of the colors at once. Right. But it just kind of amps up that drama. You know, it, it's... You know, they see a situation and it, it falls on one side or the other of a line. And it is also their world. Right, exactly. And it's, it's so them. important to them. Yes. This coming in from a from a mother of two. Uh yeah. you know, Jason, you have teens too, don't you? I do, two of them. I have a teen. I have a <laughs> I have, have a had two Yes. <clears throat> the other is no longer a teen. That's true. <laughs> It will be 21 soon. That's right. So, yeah, I mean, I think that I think that adults forget that mm-hmm. the, the, the depth of emotion as a teenager, because not only are things black and white, but you have all of these hormones that makes everything amplified to 100. Right. You that know? you don't know how to control and right. you don't know how to deal with. Right. Then you also, on top of that, have these new situations, new emotions, new everything else that, again, no idea how to deal with those. And, you know, if you're angry all the time. Well, you know, a lot of it is the, and, and Sabrina touches on this, right, is is the lack of agency in your own life. Like you, right. you, you know, like, you know, teenagers, for the most part, like, you know, they are, they are smart, they are cunning, um, they have opinions. You know, like, yeah, they, they, they they have extremes, right? Because of hormones, because of a lot of new experiences flooding into their life at once. <clears throat> but it's also like, you know, they, they don't decide like if the family is going to pull up roots and move. Right. right? And they're well, going to lose all their friends. In that. Yeah, <clears throat> totally. Like, and one of the things that like, you know, like comic Sabrina is kind of more like set in her path, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a big moment in both the show and in the comic that is kind of like the fork, right? And uh, how Sabrina's life forks is way different in the comic. And it's yeah, and it's yeah. not Absolutely. her doing. Yeah. Like, the, like she is on a path and something else comes along and changes it. Yeah. In in the show, she changes it. Right. She's like, no, she's like, she no. makes she makes that decision. Right. Actively. She has far more agency in the show. Like the comic is really kind of a chess game. And you there are, you know, there are there's a whole issue where Sabrina's barely in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and a couple. And and you know, and you get to see a lot of the life, you know, prior to where the show starts. Right. The show starts, it's like, you know, the week of her birthday, the week of her 16th birthday, right? And like the comic starts, and it's like, here's this whole history that's not even Sabrina. Yeah, we're gonna start with her at like the <clears throat> uh, well, first birth and then yeah. jump right. ahead to like six. Right. Yeah. right. But even like yeah. up until she's like six, right? It's like it's not about her. She's just like in a panel, right? Yeah. It's like it's about yeah. her father, it's about her aunt, it's about it's about the life that happened. Yeah, the whole backstory. Like right. actually the one of the things that I wasn't like that, that kind of caught me off guard was that the whole comic thing takes place like this, like the setting takes place like the 60s. That's yeah. a very Archie comics because I believe I haven't read a lot of Afterlife with Archie, but it's the same way, isn't mm-hmm. it, Jason? Yeah, yeah. Well, and honestly, I think that's the only way because you read the comics, spoiler alert, you're gonna see Veronica and Betty. Yes, also yeah. true. It's I so good. It. I love it. Also, love- right? And it, other minor spoiler, wait your 30 seconds. Veronica and Benny as witches, could we at least add that in Riverdale? That would have made her so much better. Well, we were kind of going that way. We were way. going that way a little bit. Then we fucked it up with season three. Oh, God. I don't know. If we were just taken season three and gone straight to this, yeah, I'd have been down. I'm sorry. I just need a moment of silence to make that. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like Robo Boy. There we go. Robo. Yeah. <laughs> Another whole cyborg thing. Um. But yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting to me that um, Jason, you were saying that you thought the show was darker. Mm-hmm. I agree with that, but I disagree with like there are different levels of dark in each. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know cannibalism? The, yeah, there's a lot of cannibalism in, in the comic. There <laughs> is a lot of cannibal I mean there's cannibalism there in the show. There was like a, a <laughs> episode of cannibalism. Sure. Show. Right. Sure. Right. Um and, and in the comic it was just like this just seemed like, 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 like a more sweet yeah. Flashing back to dinners and being like, oh, just Saturday, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, there was, there was honestly a Frank and Furter pull the cover off. Oh, yeah. So good. good. Half eaten. (laughs) You know, kind of implications in in the 
comic that was great. They're downstairs making blood sausage, like it was not an actual lie, but that's kind of how that thought right. that I had. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just like yeah. we work in a morgue and they're downstairs, your aunties are downstairs making blood sausage. Yeah. Right. And it's great that it's implied that Hilda is the one because right. she's yeah. like the sweet aunt, right? Right. Yes. No, she's she's very uh, uh Mrs. Mrs. Lovett. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> this is love it. That's fantastic. Yeah, it, it's very like have a meat pie. Yeah, Harvey. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I I just I I really really enjoyed the show and the comic deeply. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the I'm like I'm a big fan of reboots and remakes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of remixes. Like I, uh, you know, <laughs> like the we, remix to ignition. Yeah, well, you know, I <laughs> like we all, you know, all of us kind of, you know. Our, our circles you know there's a lot of passionate people in nerd culture like whatever whatever their focus is right with comics or movies or particular series or whatever right like i think they're very passionate and 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 a, a lot of my friends a lot of people like you know and, and friends of friends are very against deviations from source material yeah right you know like oh my god i can't believe they changed the ending for the movie blah 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 like my perspective is like the that that thing you you enjoyed exists it already exists if you're going to adapt it, if you're going to remake it, like you should change it. You we absolutely should, grow, should. We should evolve. Right. I, like I had the same argument with my mother. Um, well, like when I was a teenager and she was like, she heard some of the music that I was listening to. She's like, well, this is all just remakes. Apparently these people aren't creative enough to do things on their own. And I looked at her, I was just like, um, or they just want to take this existing <laughs> thing that's there and make it better in their own image. Right. People tend to plant a flag in their adolescence as like the origin point for all media. Right. And so yeah. like with no understanding of like the things you enjoyed and you love and you hold sacrosanct are just remixes of other things. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, there is nothing new under the sun. Right. Like all media started with the Big Bang. So <laughs> it's, it's all been remakes since then. Right. 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 It's something you learn at your first theme party. It's all been done. Before. It's all been done before, which is which is, you know, some people take it as like, oh, why should I even bother? But I, I yeah. love it. And so like then taking the kind of seeds of like this is the idea this is the basic premise right of chilling adventures and these are the seeds of these characters but we're going to remix things right like Roz completely different yeah. between the Absolutely. two in fact, because- in fact Roz is basically Nancy from the comic who is a very minor character in the yeah. Betty Veronica subplot right yeah. but there's more of Netflix Roz in Nan- in comic Nancy than in comic Roz well in the comic Roz is pretty much replaced in the show by the weirding system right um, right which oh my god which again uh, again uh, a great addition but before we get sorry to that, sorry sorry the weird system the weird system not the weirding system i mean trust no. me don't don't get my <laughs> <laughs> names are telling me it's like that yeah um but, but yeah you gotta have that craft the craft style trilogy Right. Well, and that's the other thing is, you know, Jazz Sinclair in her portrayal of Roz and what Roz went through mm-hmm. gave me deep the craft. Absolutely. Um, and I don't remember the name of the actress that was in the craft, but I mean, just uh, honestly, the only one that I remember off the top of my head was Selma Blair. Because right. Right. I get it. Awesome. You choose um, her. her. Wait. Frizzabalk. Like, Rachel. Tr- the yeah. Yeah. yeah Frizzabalk. Rachel True. Um, uh, what is it? Robin something. Sorry. Yeah. I no, love the craft. I forget their names. No, but, and then Nev Campbell. Nev Campbell was. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Nev Campbell. But that's the that's the whole thing is, is and it even goes to the to the rework is you can you know with a series you also can take you know limited we we discussed this a lot with Umbrella Academy you have a limited run of, of a certain thing you need to turn into a show. And you have this awesome opportunity to flesh things out, add new things. I mean, uh, especially in the first season, since we're talking about the first season, uh, they're Susie. Moving forward, they're Theo, or he's Theo. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you introduce a character that in the first season is non-binary and then um, is, is a trans character that mm-hmm. finds himself in, in Theo, second season moving forward. Um, what a great fucking addition, you know? Well, I, I love they- that for, its, for what it was, for it being set modern. Yeah, you that. couldn't do yeah. that if it was 60s. And, and, and I absolutely enjoyed that, but, but that whole setup to me, not, not those individual instances of the characters, but that whole setup just flashed back to okay, we gotta build the Scooby game, which was part of that whole this is a CW show. We can't just have one character it's kind of, 
you got to have a crew. Well, but I think that <laughs> I was going to say, I think I agree with you, but I think that that's needed when you have a series because you need that depth. You need to have those other characters that the, the protagonist relies on. Right. And it can't just be one you or two people. You have to show that they, they are living have, in a society. Right. Have, yeah. You've like, got to have, you have to have a monopoly of characters places. that, yeah, that they interact with, that, yep. that what they do has consequences for those other characters. And right. it's not just one or two people. It's, you know, a whole group of people. I well, think that, that just gives you know, One of the, you know, one of the, the big differences between the comic and the show, right, is the show um the show is about two worlds right more than the comic is right and so you have her you have sabrina walking the line again because of a choice that she makes she puts herself in two worlds the magical world the mundane world um but you know also like you know you know uh, christianity versus satanism and stuff like that right so like those worlds need built right and they did and the source isn't there in the comic so so they had to build a, a more robust mundane world. You know, it's why Harvey, there's more to Harvey in the show than there is, you know, and, and I get, I, you know, I love the comic, but it's like Harvey, you know, Harvey, Harvey is, is more than a horn dog. He's more than a horn dog, right? Like more Harvey than, more than a football player. in the comic, yeah. right. in the comic Harvey, not a great first impression. Yeah. No, right? not, it's like, not a great second or third impression. Right. Uh, like, no, not, not really a great impression at all, but great impression of what Sabrina does with him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, in the show, like, you know, they cast Ross Lynch, right? So it's like, well, he's, he's just a sympathetic dude so we like we have more we have something there we need to give him something right well and, and he's not he's not the like all american, all american yeah. like he's kind of goofy looking right yeah and and actually i really like him i liked him from like austin and alley uh the show a show he was on previously um so i thought it was a really interesting choice because of that because he didn't fit the kind of typical classical american jock good looking guy like even harvey in the melissa joan hart show was closer to that um so I love that they built out those worlds and yeah, but ultimately, right. Every, every secondary character like can, you know, needs to essentially it's a variation on a theme, the core theme of, of Sabrina or the core of Sabrina, the character, right? Like all characters have to be a shade of that. That's kind of why they exist right. narratively is to present counter arguments and alternative arguments to the path that Sabrina is going on and to show different ways of reacting to the world and different consequences, right? Like we learn about, we learn a lot about Roz that is like, oh, so this is more, you know, like Roz ends up connecting to the world of Sabrina, the character much more strongly after the part one. Um, And, and, but you start to see another side of that world. Right. And being like, oh man, like it's not all just power and, you know, like horror fantasy stuff. Like some people pay really grave prices for this, you know? So. Right. Well, and, and actually going with that, that lead perfectly, especially consequences and and things working in the world to um, Michelle Gomez playing Madam Satan slash Lilith slash uh, Mr. Wardwell. Mm -hmm. Um, Man, like, because in the comic, um, it is a very, like you said, it's a chess game. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a very behind the scenes point A to point B. Mm -hmm. In the show, her involvement is so much better. And um, more nuanced. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, it's not revenge. It's not straight up like I am going to right. avenge I'm not, I'm my. I'm not here to murder a bitch. Right. I am here for a reason. I'm here yeah. to make the bitch with the bitch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, like, yeah. I have been sent here on a fucking job, and I'm here to do my job and put her on her job. Right. Well, and then it yeah. expands from yeah. there. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm the guy who's his fucking job. Who the fuck are you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> The biggest change I love with that character, because there's a lot of changes between the uh, comic yes, and, and the absolutely. show. Absolutely, yeah. But like my favorite, right? Like in the comic, it's more about an outsider coming in, and I don't want to give anything away about who Madam Satan right. is in the comic, right? Yeah. But like right. she comes in, and it's evident she's a new person in Sabrina's life, right? Like yeah. whereas in the show, like a, a major change happens, and Sabrina is clueless to it. Right. Yes. Um, and I love that because, you know, like ultimately like, you know, drama comes from withholding information, right? Like yeah. stories, stories are really just about like information being passed from one person to another. Right. And pretty much how our society works in general. Like, right. I, yeah. I, right. I have information. I'm not going to give it to you if it benefits me to not give it. Right. Or, right. or like, there the is, timing there of that. Some, right. Or there's some other reason. Like I was, I was recently, recently watching an episode of The Flash. Jen doesn't watch it with me, but she was in the other room. And okay. She's got taste. Right. Right. But she's like, is this show just all about people not keeping secrets from each other? I'm like, that's what all shows are. Pretty much it. You yeah. have, you yeah, have no drama. Welcome to, to the CW. I'm sorry, but this show is just like, it takes 
takes it to another level. Literally, they just, we will they're all supposed to be friends, but they just don't trust each other. No, they fuck each other over all yeah. the time. They just don't trust anyway. right. It's funny because I, I, calling back to like the Romeo and Juliet conversation you were having, right? Like Romeo and Juliet's all about information that goes badly. Yes. It's yes. all about a very simple chain of information that just fails at every junction. Yes. If you so, think Romeo and Juliet is a, a romance or a beautiful story in any way, then you haven't read the fucking play. <laughs> oh my God. I, well, yeah. Also, I, obs- I think I upset some people on social when I was like, people need to stop with this bullshit meme about Romeo and Juliet not being a love story. <laughs> but it's also in sabrina romeo and juliet and in many other similar stories it's also about your perception of reality or a Mm -hmm. character's perception of reality based on the information that they have right 100 yep yeah had a couple drinks in thought does that mean that um romeo and juliet is the opposite end of the coin of much ado about nothing. Yeah, like yes. they're, they're opposite <laughs> sides, opposite sides of the same tale. Yeah. yeah, where one they don't know a damn thing about what's going on, the other one they absolutely everybody's talking about everything that's going on. Yes, <laughs> yeah, and and both are you know one is a is a drama and one is a comedy and yeah. there's a reason for that yes you yeah. build drama the lack of information builds drama mm-hmm. you know knowing too much about what's going on is generally comedy. comedy right yeah. the skill is the skill as anyone like crafting you know narrative is when and how the information gets revealed right, right? like that's that's where you get those great moments that's like there's a big if so if like you know if uh, a man is having an affair, right? Like, and, you know, and withholding that information, then the drama becomes about like, when is, um, you know, that man's partner going to find out about the infidelity, right? And right. there's so many different ways to reveal that, right? And it could be that he tells her, it could be that the, the, you know, the other woman tells her, it could be that she sees it, she could be that she finds a note or she sees a receipt or whatever, right? There's all these different ways and all of those payoffs and, and when it happens, like that's really like, that creates the moment, you know? Right, it's the emotional checkoff. Yeah. Um, you know, if if you see in a show or something else that there's infidelity somewhere consciously or unconsciously, you're like, okay, well, that's going to be found out in that, you know, because you're always, no matter what you're watching, trying to be steps ahead. Mm-hmm. And it's why things like WandaVision pissed a bunch of people off. I, because they thought they were so many steps ahead and they weren't. I actually one not one of those people that tries to get stuff. I don't try to get more than like a step ahead from what is flat out given on the screen. I that is the reason why I enjoy my movies. Like I had so many people like take for example the the one that sticks out biggest in my mind is like when the first screen movie came. Yeah. And I am standing outside my dormitory. I am smoking a cigarette with a bunch of friends, and there are literally half the people going, Oh yeah, I figured it out from like 30 minutes in, and somebody else, oh I figured it out about 40 minutes in. Well, it must really suck to watch movies. Right. And I'm I'm sitting there like I didn't care. I was waiting for them to reveal it to me because I wanted to see the breadth of what the director had given to me. And and all of these people looked at me like stupid and, and half of those people were drama people and i'm like you're never gonna make it in the industry <laughs> um i i, I just, tend to like not care about spoilers i just want to I, I want to I, I can appreciate a good brain play right and i i do like to try and figure things out at times ahead of what's going on but most of the time i just want to sit back and enjoy the ride like i am i'm in the damn roller coaster yeah. and whether it's space mountain or splash mountain i want to see what they're going to present well and a really good example Example of that is a, a movie. It's a couple years old now. Knives Out. Mm-hmm. It, Knives Out. It was so good and it was so twisty and it was mm-hmm. so well done. And that type of movie, like I, I love mystery movies, mystery books. I'm huge. I'm Christy. I like all sorts of murder mystery. I love, I love that. Right. And that movie saw it in the theater with my sister who's like, oh, I think this person did it. You know, she's that type of person. And I'm like, <laughs> I just want to sit there and absorb it all. My mother will guess everyone that has <laughs> ever come on screen. <laughs> and, and at the end, it's like, very, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I knew it. I no, knew see, it. I, and then that's the other thing. It's like, I like Knives Out and Murder on the Orient Express. Mm-hmm. I went to Murder mm-hmm. on the Orient Express in the theater and went, I have no idea what the fuck is going on here. And I walked into Knives Out going, I know exactly what's going on here. Fucking brilliant. There is also a different in movies like that, a well-constructed, um, and it starts with the writer, but a well-constructed mystery like that will tell you if you should be guessing. Right. You know, something yes. like Scream, at no point is it like, you know, Scream, a bunch of things. But Scream was no- there to challenge 
everyone's opinion and everyone's viewpoint and then fuck everybody over. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that, that's the whole point. It's like, it's like, I mean, there are certain points where it's like, well, maybe it's this guy, yeah. but it's not like a Knives Out or a Murder on the Orient Express where it's like, do you think it's this person? Do you think it's this? It's not like Clue, you know? Right. Like everybody has a motive and, right. so you know. That's a, and opportunity. Uh, and and you're singing telegram. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, everybody laughs at that point. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah, but that's the whole kind of point is a really good writer will tell you, are you just going to enjoy yourself and go through this aka screen? Or is this an active mystery where we want you to keep guessing throughout? But like, I still think Murder on the Explorian Express for me was, I'm just going to ride this out. I want to watch this brilliant man walk through his process, which he did, as opposed to Dives Out, where you're just like, you know, from the get-go how this started right and you just want to watch like them figure it out watch yeah. everybody yeah. figure it out if you like murder on the art bbc has a brilliant series and that's my favorite oh uh, david suchet plays Poirot, and he is an, an ultimate in my excellent <laughs> but <laughs> back to sabrina um the last note that i have here is in in the comic and the show the last thing that really stuck out to me is um something that's kind of near and dear to me the familiars the familiars are very 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 different, different oh, because yes. um and it's not ruining a lot here but just saying that the familiars in the comic uh are victims of <laughs> Of witches, basically, yeah, that yeah. their souls have been put into animals yeah. um, that then serve the witches. Um, and they can talk uh, out loud. Right. Which is yes. one of the things that's different. Right. And in the Netflix show, again, different than the Melissa Joan Hart Sabrina because Salem can talk in that. They made the active decision for the for Salem not to be able to talk. Salem communicates with Sabrina, but it seems so to be more of a telepathic. Yeah, like, well, and it's the same with Madame Satan, familiar the crow. Yes, yes. She also can communicate with the crow, but we don't hear as the audience. But literally, they do all the like the human talks out loud. Yes. You only get half the conversation, yes. which I was much more entertained with. Actually. Yes, I agree. Right. Although I did, I did like Madame Satan, uh, familiar in the comic. I oh, loved, yeah. I loved his. Yeah. Um, well, and that that provides the opportunity that um, Salem in the Melissa Joan Hart show was arguably the star. Oh, yeah. um, you know, which if you get to season four, of Sabrina, the the Netflix show, not to ruin anything, but that is brought full circle, and it is brilliant. Yes, it is. Um, oh, and so by bad. the by, if, if you want my opinion on it, since I wasn't like the biggest TV series fan, it gets better the more you watch. Yeah. It starts out okay. It starts off as really great background, and then as you get, as soon as you hit into season two, things start getting way better, and you just start forgetting that Netflix is just rolling you through episode after episode, and everything is pretty seamless. Well, season one is world building. Yeah, I, I I get that, but still, like, also yeah. we watched it right. as it was being so we didn't we weren't able to do the whole yeah you didn't you didn't get that thing that i got yeah you guys watched it as soon as it came out and i was just like "Mm, okay i'm paying attention i'm not paying attention i'm not right but even in world building like there are still should be ways to make you captivate people maybe these ways just weren't for me um yeah so uh i'm gonna anybody else have any other contributions or questions i've said my piece (laughs) so uh i want to go around and um there is more of this um so the question obviously the final question normally i know jason has read more than just this graphic Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to start with Jason and ask, what is your big pitch uh, for reading this, this graphic novel? Oh, wow. Um, okay. Uh, so I guess really it comes down to like, you're going to, when you hear the title, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, uh, I think you're probably immediately intrigued or not. Uh, if you're not, it's likely because you're like, whatever, Sabrina, it's Archie, it's Kids Comics. I'm just going to say like, it is a kind of a wonderful uh, reinterpretation of that character, like a drastic reinterpretation of that character. And so don't let any kind of baggage you may have or any prejudice you may have about uh, Sabrina or Archie Comics or anything hold you back. Um, if you enjoy horror, if you enjoy 
um, you know, if you just enjoy like a really good kind of twisty, it's a very Tales from the Crypt tale in a lot of ways, right? It's 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 got a lot of those elements. It's got a lot of really cool, compelling characters. And again, the the comic is a chess match. So if you enjoy things, if you enjoy those kind of multi-perspective people shifting, reforming alliances and manipulations and stuff like that, like I think the comic's going to have a lot to offer you. If you are immediately intrigued because you're like, oh, I like Sabrina, I think you're going to find that it, it does a lot of really fun things with the characters that you know and love. This is new interpretation of Sabrina. This is new interpretation of Zelda of Zelda, of Zelda and Hilda. Um, but you're still going to see inside of them the characters you know. It's just this is a kind of drastic repaint of the characters. And it does some really, really fun things. And then you should also read Afterlife with Archie. Yes, yeah, which is now on my list to, to definitely read. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bear, will you keep reading this now? Uh, I actually already have read a little bit more. I got into the uh, I think the second graphic where it starts off with the, the history of the familiars in the house. Yeah, um, uh, important note is uh, in order to buy this comic, they don't do separate the separate graphics anymore. Um, they have what's called the occult edition. I have a hatred of buying anything that has now a major motion picture or any shots from the series on the cover. Right. Where it's got the actors that are in the series on the cover of the graphic novel that inspired it. Um, Especially in this case gives you a false sense of what the fuck is going on with that book. Very, very true. But um, it, it had all of all of the run of uh, of Chilling Adventure that I believe went 14 issues altogether. Um, anyway, but so you have continued to read. I have continued. I noticed to read. you didn't bring it back today. But yeah, I think. Well, I also ran out to get my second shot today. It was a busy morning. Like, okay, I'm fully vaccinated now. Like, things were going on. So, but normally you walk in. Normally I walk in. I'm like, here's the book back. Um, you gonna finish it? Um, probably before I bring it back in. Yeah. Jen, well, I have I have one thing to say before I answer your question, and it's addressing your dislike of having the movie characters or whatever. Um, yes, I understand why you feel that way. But you know, as Lavar Burton would say, if it gets someone to Read a book. I'm all. Butterflies. I reading rainbow. And yes, I will continue. 20 seconds. Don't sue us. <laughs> I will continue to read this. Um, I will read anything I can get my hands on. I really like I really like what they've they've taken that character and that world and I will absolutely be reading it. No, and yeah, that's where I yeah, am. That's kind of where I'm going I want to see Betty and Brown. <laughs> more. Um more Betty and yes. Brown. And actually for for more of be talking about afterlife with Archie. Go back to our episode five. So five was, yes, where we was on Riverdale. I mentioned it very briefly. Yeah. yeah, because it was the offshoot that basically Hot Dog dies and Jughead uses the Necronomicon to try and bring it. Yes. We need to, might have to have a few bonus episodes that really revisit to things that we have read based on things that we have done. Other things that we have read where we go back and redo Archie based off of the fact that we read Sabrina and cool. maybe we could do like a different season of Riverdale, not season three, but another yeah. season <laughs> right. of Riverdale, and then talk about. I don't think anybody that listens to this like do not watch season three of Riverdale. It would ruin <laughs> everything you ever enjoyed about Riverdale. I heard season four get better. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I, and now I'm but Jen, you weren't on the Arch yet. So that was the first season. Yeah. Um, well, Jason, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, um, thank you for having me. This has been awesome. Um, obviously, we will have you back. Yes. Inevitably, you kill Travis. Yes. And now probably, we're... you know, the, you know, the Riverdale. <laughs> Riverdale. Yeah. Riverdale. I, I met the uh, voice actor for the Crypt Keeper. So. <gasps> really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yep, yep, yep. I can't really talk about the circumstances around it, but I did. I got to uh, hang out with John Kassir. We got to talk. I got to tell him how much I loved him in Tales from the Crypt and also in uh, First and Ten. Disclosure sign. Um, but uh, he's a really cool guy. I was really happy to be able to meet him. That's awesome. Um, well, well, thank you so much for... Oh. And I think that in, in that vein, we need to do some research because you brought up that the slasher films where you, you watched them at a very, very young age. Well, I watched Vincent Price in The Pit and the Pendulum oh. when, I was, when I was Get Ready For It. I was three years old. Yes. Nice. <laughs> I, was much, I did not see those until I was much older, but I loved them. Yeah. 
in elementary school, we had um, art class, like basically next to the cafeteria in the basement. Um, there was like a kiln they there. Called that home ec. No. Art class next to the cafeteria at home ec. No. Uh, <laughs> it was not. I had home ec in a different Um, But uh, the teacher, and I cannot remember his name, used to, while we were making art, show videos. And sometimes it was like California raisins. Like, and sometimes it was other things. Yay, clamation. For some reason, he decided that all of the House of Usher was something appropriate to show for Yeah. <laughs> I would also like to point out that my first, one, one of my very early memories, on my first memory, one of my very early memories, California Raisins, and it was supposed to be comedy. It was supposed to be that thing that never happened. You saw the California Raisins special, and they're sitting there, and they're like animations, singing songs, and doing stuff. And then you hear the country rap song done by the California Raisins. And now it's 30 years later, and I'm like, but can I now? actually call that crap because i hear country rap and i'm just like when i was in my single digits and teens y'all hated each other and now you do an albums together i don't know what the hell's going on also as of today get get well uh, <laughs> can you go little nas x that's Nosax. right all right I, I i believe we've gone so far off of, off of the good far uh, field reservation uh, actually the new little nas x video not too far removed from Supreme. Yeah, well, true. okay, very true. Yeah, we brought it back around. Thank you, Jen. You're welcome. That's so, what I'm here for. I so, tie it all up for us. Please, please Thanks, join Lumbo. us. Nice. Please join us in two weeks when we will be back with Winona Earp. Yeah. I don't anticipate that to be as entertaining. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, keep in mind, we used to watch like Midnight Texas. And we needed yeah. our yeah, I watched Midnight Texas. I like Midnight Texas. I have, I have stronger words about my donut. <laughs> well, until then, take it away, Vandela. Come with me, I'll tell a story that you might have heard before. Graphically novel, but the same old trouble at the door pretty pictures on the page but nothing ever stays the same come at me and I'll show you something you ain't never seen before We all just get along, my mask is no different than yours Pretty pictures on the screen But nothing's ever as it seems Don't want to see my back.